the free for all roundtable round one on round one today, Shelley Carroll is here, Toronto City Councillor, Vas Bednar, Executive Director of the Master of Public Policy Degree in Digital Society at McMaster University, and Amanda Galbraith, Principal at Navigator, also the host of Free For All Friday. Good morning to all three of you. Let's actually start. I mean, everybody seems to insist that Tim Hortons practically defines Canada as a brand, <laughs> even though they're owned by Brazilians. Amanda, I name-checked you a little while ago in the show because you actually handle Christ crisis communications on occasion. So Tim Hortons on Monday awarding $10,000 prizes to people and then saying, sorry, that was a computer glitch. Here's a $50 gift card. I, I just figure, you know what? Just pay the $10,000. Yeah. I mean, given the here, scope here. of their operations, I would, uh, I would agree. I think, I mean, like, obviously if it's 10,000 people with $10,000, that's one thing, but if it's a handful of people, the hit to the brand, the hit to the to the game, et cetera, which they've already sort of, I think, candidly ruined because it's no longer tactile. It's through the wrap, but I get why they're doing it. Um, it I just don't think a story 50 bucks really does it enough. It breaks trust with, with you already. And we know that Tim's with the takeover by their current organization has had some challenges out in the past. I think it's kind of more of a misstep again um, by folks managing that brand as it slowly ekes away its representations of all things Canadian, which makes sense anyway, because the coffee is crap. So there's my controversial hot take. This <laughs> well, I'm not sure if they're a client, but that's going to be an interesting meeting at nine. <laughs> they are not, so I can say that. Okay, Vas Bednar, um, this is an example of a corporation taking something that should be a plus, you know, roll up the rim is brand brand-defining and turning it into a minus. Well, you know what could be brand-defining for Tim Hortons? How they were found in violation of Canada's privacy law last summer. And because our privacy laws are so weak, we couldn't levy any fines or penalties. And through a class action lawsuit, they gave some people, you know, the equivalent of a coffee and a donut. Roll up the rim, as Amanda pointed out, has turned into a campaign to get people to download their app, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And they should be ready to troubleshoot. And if people are getting information on that app that I suppose they can screenshot, they're going to have to find ways to verify the messages that went out and placate or maybe actually just go back. Maybe there's a benefit to that uh, physicality uh, that's more verifiable for them. But it was disappointing to read. And um, I would certainly be confused and disappointed if I won something uh, even if, uh, you know, winner Gagnon, like even if it's a, if it's a coffee and then they're like, just kidding, Vass, like, no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Shelly Carroll, yeah. you know, this would be unacceptable if it was in an Ontario casino. So I think it should be unacceptable for a corporation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, we've, we've talked about food businesses all week. This is yet another uh, COVID proof business that just sailed right on through and kept on working and, and has been making profits all along. They're either going to have to come clean and tell us that a million people got that award or just pay it out. I'm, I'm with Amanda. Uh, you know, if you really want uh, goodwill, just say oops and, and pay out unless it's the entire province of Nova Scotia. You're better off paying out. That itself would be a great goodwill exercise. And I'd probably download the app right now. <laughs> so a new study out, which is a meta-analysis of 131 other studies, uh, concludes that our mental health did not actually decline during the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, Shelley, I'll start with you because you already signaled via email that you're incensed about this. Yeah, I, you know, maybe, I don't know if I should be mad at the, at the uh 
News outlet uh, headline, uh, mental health did not decline, says comprehensive study, or mad at the the, uh, the people who did this study themselves. You can't make a sweeping statement like that if, you, if, you're, if your control group does not include anyone who could be classified as poor or living in poverty. It does not include first responders and healthcare workers. And we know that in those groups and amongst the disadvantaged, this has been, been devastating with respect to mental health. But the one thing that they did say was that uh, we see a slight increase in young women. And, and maybe that's because, you know, you get into to young women and women and adolescents, they were out there, they were interacting uh, uh, where they could, but really, really starved for the kind of interaction that people of that age group need. But if you go into to, uh, families who, who really lost income, that's where you start to see the stress causing mental health difficulties. We're seeing it now on our streets, in our shelters. We're seeing it as, as kids came back to school. We know there was an increase, but you have to look at the whole population. Go to any food bank and, and observe the people in line. What were they like three years ago? What are they like now? The stress has caused a massive problem in mental health. Okay, Vass, are you as skeptical of this meta-study as Shelley is? Well, I'm a little bit skeptical given that they do acknowledge most of the respondents are from uh, middle and upper class families as well. And, you know, self-reporting and looking back on particular moments of time, we might uh, also be uh, have a little bit more of a of a rosier perspective. I'm I, I'm excited to read that. Yes, as a as a civil society, we may be more resilient than we think. But if this stands to kind of discount the challenges that people went through or might still be kind of residually dealing with, then I think it's uh, reads as a little bit dismissive or minimizing in a way that's that's dangerous. No, okay, Amanda, your thoughts. Yeah, I call BS on this thing. I'll be honest. I think, um, you know, they kind of say it's an analysis of other studies. Um, and as mentioned, the control group itself um, is of a certain, you know, class and, and income level. But um, I'll just say, I don't know anybody that went through the pandemic, like nobody that um, at some point or other did not have some serious um maybe a couple introverts, maybe, but some serious mental health challenges, myself included. I was losing my mind, locked in my condo. So um, I think we, we can all look back and think like, oh, it was restful. Like, it was not. <laughs> like, remember we were getting tickets for working out on park benches? Like, there was crazy stuff happening. So um, I think we're all kind of wanting to forget. Um, but I, I agree. I think this, like, the, the, if the coverage of this or how it's being positioned is a bit irresponsible um, because we're also seeing this play out, I think, right now in the TTC, right? You want to look at the mental health impacts lasting. Sure. That's a lot of what's happening there. A Quebec judge, and, and it seems in the way he crafted his decision, even he can't believe he had to rule on this, but he has established <laughs> that it is a charter right to give somebody the middle finger. Uh, Vas Bednar, do you feel that much more comfortable in your freedoms today that you can give somebody the finger if you want and not get arrested? <laughs> Well, he also, I mean, the, the, the perpetrator in this case did an instance of double guns. So it was the two hands, which can really, you know, oh, that is stress bad. and yeah. anger. It's different. <laughs> it's different than just one hand. We have to be. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, the the way the way it's being presented is a, is a little bit uh, sensational, but I also think the judge was uh, making a point around how the the criminal justice system was weaponized to try to you know offer revenge for essentially being offended or or annoyed by your neighbor gesturing at you. It, it can be ugly and it can be off putting, but it's not something uh, at least right now that we're going to be uh, censoring and prosecuting in our society, which is great. Well, and Amanda, what this means is is that a police officer actually made the arrest and a crown prosecutor decided to go ahead with a trial because somebody gave somebody the, well, as Vass says, the double finger. Double yeah, guns. Which is bananas. Yeah. <laughs> the double gun should be free to use as you see fit. I want for one be testing my charter rights today to see if I uh, <laughs> run the city. Um, no, I think it's, uh, yeah, this is the fact that it progressed as far as nuts. Um, but at least the end result was something that as bizarre as it sounds is sensible. And um, I think occasionally uh, judges sort of, you know, kind of manifest what we all think. And this guy, I think, has finger on the pulse of what common sense folks would say, which is if you want to express yourself that way, it's not polite, but Godspeed. Okay, I want to move to something different. Shelly Carroll, I'm wondering if you have any special uh, insight into how very quickly the city seems to have reversed itself on posting signs in some dog parks saying no barking. And the signs, we talked about it yesterday morning on the show, and the signs were taken down. So, I mean, was some civil servant proactive? Did you yell on the phone to somebody? What happened? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, this is the kind of thing that happens when uh, when you have three years of virtual or no consultation on things. I, I, I promise you, council did not order that these signs be put up. Somebody was just being proactive. And it really speaks to, you know, when you go to do a thing like that, you, you really need to ask around. You need to network around and decide, is this a solution? Should we do something like this? It is true that we get complaints. As soon as you put up an off-leash dog park, a whole bunch of dog owners are happy and a whole bunch of people around it begin to complain about it. As they complain about all components of, of the city's public realm uh, at one time or another. But to proactively put up this sign without doing any consultation with community or counselors and, and put it up in multiple parks was a real misstep. Uh, parks responded very quickly by, by taking them down again. But, you know, what a waste of time and effort that was and, and, and dollars, quite frankly. We have to get back to, you know, beyond the virtual, it's time to really, you know, Take in-person meetings, have real conversations before you act and make sure that you're doing something that that really is a good a good spend of, of city dollars. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is now 64 years old, which might inform this position that she has taken. She wants for us to have early bird rock concerts. Um, Amanda. I mean, as a guy who goes to bed at nine o'clock and fades during the first act of a, any Broadway show, I guess I could appreciate this, but it just seems very unrock and roll. <laughs> yeah, but how how rock and roll are? are and with great respect, Bruce Springsteen is nowadays. Anyway, um, I I gotta say I I've listened to her and uh, her interview, and she's my spirit animal. I was in bed last, last night at nine o five. I was thrilled by it. Um, if I could have daytime, more daytime events, the better. So I think we need a world that accommodates your morning radio hosts and your, uh, I like to go to bed early, 
you know, 40 somethings uh, in the world as well as 65 year olds. So I I'm, I'm for her campaign. I think she's great to be out there and proud about it. And uh, more daytime events, I say. Okay. Vas Bednar, are you going to pull for <laughs> afternoon rock concerts? <laughs> she already fell asleep. Uh, apparently. Okay. <laughs> we seem to have lost a uh, vast bed in our Shelly Carroll. Uh, you and I are of a uh, similar vintage. No, I was drinking coffee and I put myself on mute. Sorry. I was like, I'm asleep. What are you guys talking about? No, I'm here. No, oh, yeah. here. I'm sorry. I'm interjecting. I, I at, at bare minimum, I just want the set list to start on time. The preview time when you're at a concert on a weeknight, you need to start on time. I think that's important for, for your music. Sorry. Back, back to bed. Good night. Bye. Yeah, all right. <laughs> More than a certain amount of irony. Uh, Shelly Carroll, you get the last word. I would definitely show up for a daytime concert. If if our favorite performers, John, are going to continue to perform into their 70s, like, like Bruce Springsteen or their 80s, like the Rolling Stones, eventually they're going to have to back up the start time of the concert. So I, but I'll be there for it if they book a daytime concert. <laughs> okay. My thanks to all of you. Shelly Carroll, Vaspenar, and Amanda Galbraith. Catch the roundtable, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.